Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know, we've been having a lot of fun here on the show. Uh, listenership is growing, so I have to give credit to those of you who are the regular listeners of the show. You must be telling your friends about cool things entrepreneurs do and why it's a podcast people should be turning into because uh, we're seeing the numbers go up. We're getting more downloads uh, on a constant basis, and we are interviewing cool people who are doing really cool things as entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and people who have just that entrepreneurial spirit who maybe work inside a company. And today, we're going to revisit one of those fantastic guests. Back in November of 2015, I interviewed the founder and CEO of Annuitis, and that is Carlos Hidalgo. And we had a great conversation. And what fascinated me is it was one of the most downloaded and listened to episodes that we've had in now almost 300 episodes of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I reached out on social media uh, and told him that it was by far one of the top listened to uh, episodes. And he said, you know, it might be fun if I come back and did a little update of what I'm doing. And being a curious person, I said, well, Carlos, what are you doing? And he said that he stepped away as CEO uh, of the company and has gone off to do some other things. And, you know, when he sort of talked about it, it, it sort of reminded me, for those of you who might have seen the musical Hamilton, there's a line in it where, you know, King George says, they say, George Washington is yielding his power and stepping away. And then he says, is, is that true? I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. And I got to tell you, that's sort of what I thought when you hear of a high-powered CEO with a great growth-oriented company who's making a lot of money and the company's doing great things, you think that's, that's what they do. If they leave, they go on to something bigger. They don't just walk away from it. But that's what Carlos did. And I think that a lot of people who you know have their own businesses and are really growth focused might relate to what he has to say. So I said, yes, absolutely, Carlos, come back to cool things entrepreneurs do. And let's talk about this part of your entrepreneurial journey. So Carlos Hidalgo, thank you for being back on cool things entrepreneurs do. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. I enjoyed the first time and no doubt I'll enjoy this one as well. <laughs> well, it's coming up. It's almost two years. It was November of 2015 when you were on the show and we had talked about how in 2005 you had co-founded Annuitus and all the great things that you had done to grow the company. But in October of 2016, you let your employees know that or you let your board know that you were going to walk away. And then in early 2017, you did just that. So why don't you kind of give us sort of more of the background of that story? Because I think a lot of people didn't know this was something a person could do. Yeah, and I, I spent a lot of 2016 wondering if I could do it as well. Uh, as I shared with you, you at least for me, and I can only speak for me, uh, you know, 2005, we started, we hung out our shingle, not really knowing what was going to happen with this organization. And as many small businesses do, we made a few pivots here and there um, and really started to see success in about 2000. Well, we, we were successful, but really started to see some some skyrocket growth 
starting in around 2012 and uh, made two Inc. 5000 lists and uh, everything was going well. We were being recognized in our industry. We were getting enterprise brand name clients. And uh, you convince yourself that I'm, I'm doing all of this. I'm working these long hours. I'm taking all these trips. I'm, I'm out of the home more often than not, uh, all for the benefit of my family, because this is really going to pay off. And then what you, you realize is that family that you believe you're working for is actually paying the price um, and, and, and the ultimate sacrifice in you just not being here. And I, I've been talking to a colleague about this, and I thought he brought out a great point. He says, you know, we talk about missing the important things of baseball games and recitals and concerts. And he said, when really the most important things happen around uh, dinner, dinner time conversation. And I was missing so much of that. And my, my two boys, my two older boys are in college. My daughter just graduated high school. My youngest son is a sophomore in high school. And what I realized was there is no way for me to accomplish what I am deeming as important now. So kind of a wake up call for me of the agency isn't important. My employees are important, but not nearly as important as my family. And there was just no way to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and try to redeem that time with my wife and children. So I had to leave. And I took 2016 to figure out if I could do it within the context of annuitus. And in October, it became apparent that I couldn't. And so I made that decision. And uh, since then, it's been great. I think I've been on an airplane twice since April 1st. Wow, that must be sort of a, a big switch. I mean, I travel a lot, so I fully understand both the, the travel side and, and the family side. It must be a switch to not have been on a plane but once or twice in, in four months. I will definitely be losing my hotel and airline status this year, um, and it is a switch. Uh, it is a, a big switch, uh, and one that I really thought I would struggle with because it's not that breakneck speed. Uh, I'm working hard right now, but it's not that breakneck speed. It's not the come home, do your laundry, you know, pick up the dry cleaning and head out for the next trip. But I got to tell you, the contentment that I have with the pace and uh, with not constantly being at an airport and knowing flight attendants by first name uh, <laughs> is really, really nice. I've enjoyed the the difference and it's been fantastic. So was there any sort of a, of a re-entry to, I mean, especially when you first left, you hadn't started the next thing yet. Was there any sort of re-entry into sort of being around so much? I know that I travel extensively and then when I'm home for like three straight weeks, they're like, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, and patterns start to form that when you come back, you're like, hey, how long have we been doing that? <laughs> um, you know, there there really wasn't that so much. Um, and I think part of it was I just made the decision that I was going to form new habits here. Um, so, for instance, I was going to be present emotionally and mentally uh, when I was home and not have my laptop and phone on the couch at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night while we were watching a show. I was not going to uh, excuse myself from the dinner table to get that phone call when I heard it ring from my office. And so I've just really set some boundaries for myself with the help of my family to say, this is the time that I am going to work. And then this is the time that I am not going to work and be very present and be very available 
And uh, it has really, really made a difference for me. And it's made a what I believe a difference in my wife and my children and our relationships. Awesome. So, you know, when you announced this to, you know, the board, that that was one thing. But when you went public with the announcement to your employees and, and, and beyond, what happened then? You know, it was, um, uh, yeah, meeting with the employees was, was, was hard. Uh, we had a great team and they still have a great team uh, there. So we were able to do that in a setting that was just us. Uh, I was able to do it in person. The team is actually headquartered in Atlanta, even though I reside in Colorado. But what was interesting is I, I published a article on LinkedIn to make the announcement on February the 16th. And to my surprise, what has happened is I've received a number of emails and phone calls requesting just time from people that are high in their organization from a role perspective or even fellow business owners and agency owners who have asked me the question, so how did you do this? I've been feeling the same thing. Um, I'm, I'm kind of coming to the end of my rope or... Uh, you know, I've been doing this for X number of years and it's time to either transition out or take another role. Walk me through how you made this decision. And that's been really surprising. And it's not just been one or two. It's been like seven or eight of these phone calls and these uh, conversations. And um, for me, I, I feel honored that they they have that trust and confidence, but it was just surprising. Like, hey, I'm not alone in this. This is kind of a, I won't say epidemic proportions, but it's definitely something out there that other people have thought about. Well, and you know, I, I started the show by by quoting a line from the show Hamilton when King George is surprised that a that a government leader could step away and 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 leave, mm-hmm. and he's like, I I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. And when you told right. me the story, that just sort of stuck in my mind, and I laughed that these other CEOs were like, Wait, wait, wait! You mean you can walk away? Uh, how bizarre! And so they've been reaching out to you and, and asking for some time. What have those conversations been like? You know, it's really just been around what is their priority. Uh, in the article that I put on LinkedIn, I quote Brene Brown, and uh, she says, to truly cultivate, one must prioritize and be purposeful to cultivate what is deemed most important to them. And I really talk about that line. And when I read that in one of her books, I just was so impacted by that. And and so I've I've basically said, look, for me, I had to start to cultivate what was most important to me. And for too long, I cultivated my business and my agency and my employees uh, all to the detriment of, you know, my my family where they were, hey, guys, I'm doing this for you. So don't you understand? And so the conversations have really been, hey, what are you after? What do you, what's your end game? What are you trying to do? Uh, have you talked about this with your wife? Have you sat down if you have older children? And talk to them and, and ask them how they feel. Is there a way you can scale back within the context of what you're doing today? Or do you need to take a different path? And then uh, challenge, just like I was, by a dear friend who looked me dead in the eye after I came off a flight, a, a red eye of all things, and said, you're not tired from the red eye. You're tired because of this. When are you pulling the ripcord? 
Uh, and he really pressed me on it. And it was it was uncomfortable, but it was needed. And it was that day where I said, you know what, he's absolutely right. And so um, I've kind of left the, uh, many of those discussions with just saying, I think you know what you need to do. And yes, it is a scary thing. And it's hard to leave the <laughs> comfort and confines of what you've known. But if you know you need to do it, you're not going to be happy within this supposed comfort. Well, And so it's been just a really interesting uh, journey for me, and I believe a, an interesting journey for the others. I think a lot of us in our society, whether you're an entrepreneur or you have more of a traditional job, a lot of our self-worth gets tied up in the connection to that career role and the job yes. title and what it is that you've done or, in your case, what you've built. And so, you know, what what is that like to be able to separate yourself from that self-identity that I'm – Carlos Hidalgo, CEO <laughs> and founder of Annuitas. Tom, you're not supposed to go there. That's too vulnerable. Um, That's what we're all know, about here. It, hey, it's cool things entrepreneurs do, but it's also when they crawl in a ball and cry in the corner. It's, it's all together. Right. That's right. You know, it, 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 that's, and that's really it. Um, I put a lot of my identity into CEO of Annuit as one of the leading demand generation agencies out in the market. Um, I, I would be lying to tell you if it, if it wasn't an, an ego stroke to uh, be called and say, hey, we want you to come speak over in this at this international conference, and we want you to keynote this, and we've read your book, and we want to make this, and and everything seems to be going so well, and it's exactly how you planned it. The blueprint is there, and then you realize, at the end of the day, this could all go away tomorrow, and then is my phone really going to be ringing off the hook? <laughs> well, but 11 See, years, 11 years as founder and CEO of a company, especially one that has done so well and, and brought you that type of accolades. I mean, you know, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I think we're about the same age. You know, that's a, that's a quarter or a fifth of your life. That's a long time to be able to say, I'm walking away. It, it is. But when you, when you look at what you've, um, what I call sacrificed on the corporate altar, to achieve that, which was valuable time with my wife and kids. Um, I mean, just constant travel, constant work. And then, you know, last year was the first year in, in I don't know how long where I didn't bring a laptop on the two vacations I took with my family. I turned the email off on my phone. And my daughter, who at that point was a senior in high school, on the first vacation, about three days, said to me, Dad, thanks for leaving the laptop at home. And I said, well, that's not a problem. I said, but I don't really get it. I said, because you guys would sleep in being on vacation, <laughs> and I would work in the morning before you got up. And she said, yeah, but you always could tell that you were thinking about work after we got up, and you were thinking about the work you did in the morning. And she said, thank you for just leaving it at home. And guess what? All of it was still there. The company was still operational. When I got back, nobody fell apart. The universe didn't stop. The <laughs> earth didn't stop spinning on its axis. And so you start to really realize of why am I putting my identity and my worth in something that is so fleeting? And I'm not saying it's unimportant, but really at the end of the day, back to Brene's quote, you know, relationship is what is so valuable and I have some great relationships in this industry. But at the end of the day, my kids aren't going to utilize, eulogize me about 
what agency I built or how hard I worked. Mm. They want to know how approachable and present was dad. Mm, and for me, my wife deserves the same thing and more. And it took me some hard lessons to figure that out. I, I'm kind of a slow learner in many respects. <laughs> I, and uh, for me, it's about now redeeming that time. So, Carlos, if somebody is listening to this episode and they're saying, oh, my God, he's talking about me, or maybe maybe they're ta- you're talking about their brother or their sister or their spouse or their friend, and they have forwarded this link onto that person and saying, eh, you should listen to this podcast episode. And someone is hearing what you've just said for the past you know, 12 minutes. What advice do you have to somebody to be able to to come to grips with the reality that their ladder might be against the wrong wall? Yeah, I love that analogy, Tom, uh, the ladder against the wrong, uh, wrong wall. I would say to just be brutally honest with yourself. Uh, and for me, that was really hard. I think for most people, it's really, really hard. And, and that doesn't mean you've got to beat yourself up. But really start to challenge yourself and say, where am I finding my identity? What is it that is keeping me on this pace? <clears throat> am I reading my own press? Am I believing my own press? Um, and so, and then have a real, have that conversation, that real open and vulnerable conversation uh, with your spouse or your significant other or your kids. You know, it was interesting when I when I called my wife from Boston to tell her. This is what I believe I need to do. Her response was, I'm glad you arrived there, and that's what I was hoping for, but I knew you needed to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And so I give her tremendous credit where there wasn't any badgering or hounding or, um, you know, it's, you know, an ultimatum. But I think you've got to really make that determination and then, of course, understand what, what would I do next? Uh, give yourself several options. Um, I had all the excuses in the world to stick it out. I have three kids going to be in college next year. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, it's, and wait a minute. I'm just thinking about the dollar signs clicking away with three. I have one kid in college and I just cringe and, and, <laughs> and scream, you know, every time I have to write a check. And so with three yeah. of them, that must be a big number. Uh, yeah. You and me both. We see those. We see that. uh that every every uh, every month or every quarter, but you know, understand what 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 would that next thing look like, and then prepare for that. And one of the advantages I had was being able to tell my board and partners in October, and then transition uh, the CEO over while I stayed in the company and support that transition, and then make that announcement. I had that holiday period where pretty much everybody slows down. So it really enabled me to kind of think through and, and process and, and kind of re-enter uh, the, the family dynamic here as well. But I, I think ultimately, I'll tell you what my friend Andrew told me, make a decision today to pull the plug if that's where you need to be. Because we as humans have a great ability to convince ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing and uh, at the end of the day, if you're really feeling like I'm in the wrong place, and I, again, I love that analogy, I have my ladder against the wrong wall, make the decision and make at le- take at least one step forward to say, I'm going to pull the plug and move on and do something different. 
So I have a couple more questions for you because this is actually fascinating. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people will resonate with this because I think a lot of people do feel, you know, that their ladder's against the wrong wall. Now, some people who are listening might, you know, feel like, yeah, I'm working that hard, but, you know, I love what I'm doing. I'm living my dream. You know, my family's on board. So it's not necessarily that everybody you know, mm-hmm. has, has to do this. But I want to explore right. a little bit more for the people who are really having that, oh my God, moment listening to this. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really interesting, really cool people like Carlos Hidalgo. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So, Carlos, getting back to what we were talking about, if mm-hmm. somebody is, you know, working really hard, but they don't want to pull that plug because they like what they do, but the part about I've got to make some changes is resonating. Is there a happy medium for some people? I think there is, and, and I, I think that's a great point. I, I am not in any way saying that for everyone who is killing themselves to start a business or get a business moving forward or growing a business, they're doing it wrong. I'm speaking for me and and me only because I can't clearly can't make a decision for anybody else. Um, I I do think there's a happy medium. I I have friends of mine who have started companies where they have put a line in the sand to say, this is how many days a month I am going to travel, period. Uh, They're forthcoming like that with their clients and and people who ask them to to be here and be there. Um, They have – I have another friend of mine who has a – I was just on the phone with him last week. And we're talking and we're talking business. And all of a sudden he says, hey, I have to go. I just walked in my house. We're sitting down to dinner. And then there's one thing I've promised to my family is when we are sitting down to dinner, everything stops. And so he has set his own boundaries uh, with him and his family. So I, I do think there's a happy medium, but I think you you have to set those boundaries, set those rules for yourself, and then follow through on them. Um, I know for me last year, it was, I'm not going to travel any more than 10 days a month. Well, May came and it was 12. And I looked at my wife and said, well, one of the trips is overseas. So technically, (laughs) and already I started to find myself like if I could bend that one time, um, then I would be okay. And for the most part, I would say 11 out of 12 months, I stayed within that 10 days. But even that, that's for me, that was 33%. So I think it's just setting up what are you comfortable with? What can you live with? What is everybody happy with? And then what are you going to cultivate? What's most important? And if you can set those boundaries, um, more power to you. I think that's that's the key. Well, one of the things we did years ago is we came up with the no screens at the table rule. Mm-hmm. And we don't sit down to dinner every single night. And I travel about a third of the time. And right. when, you know, when I'm away, they, you know, tend to maybe 
you know, do things a little differently. I mean, you fall into the patterns, like you were saying, you come home and go, when do we start doing that? But right. when I'm here, we try, you know, even though the, the one kid is gone, we try about a third of the time that I'm here or half the time to, to sit at the table and we do the no screen. We turn off the TV and we sit there. And the other day we were at a restaurant and we'd been on vacation. So we'd been like sharing a hotel room and never been apart from each other for four days. And I looked up and everybody was sort of checking their phones. I'm like, whoa, whoa hey, it's the no screens right. at the table rule. And it still applies even after four days of, you know, being at each other's, you know, chained to each other. And uh, so that's one that we try really hard. Do we break it? Sure. You know, sometimes there's, mm-hmm. you know, something that happens and you got to be paying attention. But we've set sort of that rule uh, as best we can. And then the coolest thing that I did to sort of be able to bridge some of that traveling uh, is on Fridays, if I'm in town, and if I'm not in town, we bump it up to Wednesday or whatever. But almost all Fridays during the school year last year, my high school freshman, soon to be sophomore, she and I went to Starbucks every morning. I drove her to school every Friday. And we would have to leave about the same time her bus would, but we would go to Starbucks and we'd have somewhere between, you know, 40 minutes to an hour. And we mm-hmm. would just one-on-one talk about whatever. We'd talk about politics because this was a very interesting year. Uh, we would talk about, you know, religion. She was going through her, her confirmation in our church and, mm-hmm. you know, having some doubts and things like that. So we would talk about, you know, politics and religion, all the things you're not supposed to talk about. Uh, right. School gossip of what was going on. And... I I like to believe that that was like a special thing. My older daughter even said, "Hey, you didn't do that for me." And I, you know, of course she went to school 25 miles away, so that was a different, you know, a different time yeah. and place, but it also was just kind of one of those things that we we built some time in. But I do like sort of what you have done for people who, you know, fe- aren't feeling the love of of what it is they're doing. So getting back to to that transition, what's been the hardest part for you? Cuz it can't all be flowers and roses. No, it, it definitely isn't. Um, you know, starting over is is hard. Um, you don't have a team. You don't have anybody to respond to that request or uh, manage your finances, your, um, you know, all the administrative tasks. You don't have people that you say, hey, could you, I'm swamped. I need you to take this project. It's you. It's all you, um, and that's what I've I've gone back to. What I know is, is the partnership and consulting with clients, and so that's been the hard part. Um, Surprise! So I I would have thought if you had asked me this question last September, I would have said the hardest part for me is going to be scaling back in terms of the torrid pace that I was um, working and I would get quickly bored and grow restless. And um, that just hasn't happened. (laughs) And it's really just been that. um, And, and, you know, again, just starting over is getting new clients. And when people say to you, so how long has Vism CX been around? And you're like, "Uh, four months, but I have a really good track record of a another firm and so it's it's just you've kind of hit the reset button and you're starting from scratch and i have been extremely blessed to have a number of good clients who have put their trust in me and we're doing some great work together but yeah it's not all i I don't want to paint this picture of you just make this decision and you know you hear the heavens open and you hear these angels sing and everything is great um you still as an entrepreneur have those days where you're like okay here's my pipeline here's my expenses (laughs) how you know the two have to meet up 
And there are some things. And again, I, I think there's boundaries, there's roles, but um, sometimes you have to understand that life does not always work the way we draw it up. Most times it doesn't. And so even the best blueprint, sometimes you'll have to color outside those lines um, as you just articulated. But um, it, it's, it's been fun, and I do feel fortunate. And when you have the support, I mean, my, my wife said to me, what's the worst that happens? We have to sell the house. <laughs> and we don't live in some palatial estate, but when you have that kind of support to say, I don't care if we live in a two-bedroom apartment, if that's what we have to do, you kind of say, you know what? Yeah, I made the right choice. This is worth it. Right. Well, I, you know, I just think it is fascinating and I'm most fascinated and we touched on it a little bit about these, these people who've reached out and, and mm-hmm. said, Hey, I, I see myself in, in your story. What, what do I do? How do I do that? So before I let you go, I sort of want to revisit that. You've said you've had, you know, eight or 10 or whatever people reach out to you. Do you think it's really widespread in the C-suite? I mean, you've lived there in a big growth, you know, money, raising money, you know, type company. Do you think that there is a lot of sort of secret angst going on amongst the C-suite? Undoubtedly. I think it's, um, I think it's an epidemic across our country, uh, not to get too philosophical. Um, I see parents, I see moms, I see, you know, stay at home moms and dads who are running around frenetic Got to get the kids here. Got to do this. Got to do that. And it's like, whoa, slow down. Why are we, we have gone crazy. I think the Times last week had a article called Prozac Nation. <laughs> and it's, it's, I have never seen, I don't know in history, you could ever say there's been a place that's been blessed with so much material wealth, but we are still so frenetic. We are still so unhappy. We are still... It's just we got to do more and more and more, and we got to get our kids in every program, and we've got to be the best at this and the greatest at that. And and at the end of the day, it's like, what what are we all after? What are we trying to accomplish? And so I do see it among my colleagues. I do see it um, where you say, "Hey, how you doing?" And it's, "Oh my God, I'm exhausted." <laughs> and but for what? What are we killing ourselves for? And. I remember a number of years ago, I had to take a trip to New Zealand, and I was talking to a colleague there, and he said, here's the difference between us and Americans. He said, Americans live to work, and he said, we work so that we can live. Hmm. And he, he was absolutely right. And this isn't a, please, nobody listening, take this as a Carlos hates America. I love this country. And <laughs> we are by far extremely blessed. My father was a Cuban immigrant. So I understand the, give me your tired, your poor. But you have to start to take stock and say, what is it all for? What is the benefit? And again, I like my work. I like to work. I love what I do. So I'm very blessed in that. But at the end of the day, is it why are we killing ourselves? And we really have to take stock of that. And so back to your original question, I do think that it's, it's at least from the conversations I'm having and the comments and the emails I've received, um, it is something that a lot of people, executives, owners, uh, agency owners are experiencing. And I would just encourage you, if you're there, step off the treadmill. It will be okay. You will figure it out. And you're relationships will be better for it. 
Well, one of the things I talk about in, in one of the speeches that I give when I'm, when I'm brought into like association conferences or a mm-hmm. company meeting is I talk about the fact the slide just says, I'm so busy. And I talk about how busy has become a faux badge of honor. I mean, we're so proud to prove we're busier than the person that we're talking to that we just start every time we run into somebody and they're like, how you doing? We start reciting our calendar entries just to show that we don't have any free time in our schedule. And somehow that doesn't pull people together, right? I mean, I think it pushes people apart. And so I think we have to get back to the fact that, you know, being proud of being so busy is not necessarily uh, what we need to do. No, because you don't have time for the important things. You know, last night I had the opportunity. I just sat on my my brother's back patio in Denver. Um, I had business up there, so I stopped over. And we sat out there for two hours, me, himself, and his wife. And we just talked. Nobody was on their phones. Nobody was trying to, you know, cram anything in. We just talked. And it was wonderful. And we had a great time. And, uh, you know, it's we live 60 miles apart and we don't see each other near as often, but you kind of miss that. And I, I love hearing the story about every Friday when you're home, you just took your daughter to Starbucks and probably had the same policy. No screen time. Oh, or, yeah. No. You know, we're at Starbucks. And that's how you build and that's how you cultivate those things. And if we're just jam packed to the gills with going to the gym and going to soccer practice and doing this and doing that and traveling here and you know, go, 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 go. That's not what we're wired for. We're wired for a relationship. And so to me, and again, I can't speak for everybody else. It took me a long time to figure it out, but that's my largest priority right now. And we'll be hopefully until, uh, this is all done and gone and I have grandkids and moving forward. And I I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to do it and had some really strong people around me to say, Hey man, this is what you got to do. You know you got to do it. Just get the courage to pull the plug. So that leads me to my final question, and that is, where do you see yourself in 10 years with this new company you've just started? And, and as your family, you know, your last kid will be gone in a couple of years. Where do, you, where do you see your career side of your life in 10 years? You know, I would love to get to a position in the next 10 years where, and I've had the opportunity to do this already, advise some startups. Um, I would really love to be in a position where, uh, in 10 years where I've got even more gray hair than I do now. Um, <laughs> I have some clients that I'm, I'm engaged with in a really meaningful way and, and driving change. But more so than that, I would love to be serving on some nonprofit boards um, that uh, are doing some great things around the world with uh, the poor. My wife actually is on her way back from Uganda right now where she's been uh, over there serving women and putting in uh, opening wells, freshwater wells for people that don't have clean drinking water. So we'd love to serve on those boards. And then I would just love to uh, connect with other entrepreneurs, who young entrepreneurs who they can learn from my mistakes, they can learn from my successes, and I can just coach them and engage with them and help them. And, uh, you know, I, I really help them what I believe is build a business the right way, which is prioritize what's most important, and then build your business that way. So that's where I hope to see myself in 10 years. 
Well, I can't wait till the next time that we have you on as a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do to find out all the cool things that you will be doing in the future. If somebody has listened to this episode all the way here to the end and they think, I, I got to know more about this guy. Maybe maybe they're feeling that they're the one who's stuck in that treadmill and their ladder's against the wrong wall. Maybe they're a writer for a magazine and they're like, we got to profile this guy. How does somebody find you? Sure. You can email me at Carlos, C A R L. OS at VismCX and that's V I S U M C X dot com. And I will look for that email, or you can just find me on Twitter at C A Hidalgo, H I D A L G O. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I'm starting to have more and more of the original guests or the early guests back on the show because, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's a journey and people's mm-hmm. paths change. There is, you know, the famous word in entrepreneurship is pivot. And I think that's what you have done. And I think it's a great example for a lot of people out there, especially those who might feel a little bit trapped. So thanks for sharing your story. And to everybody who tuned in and listened, I say it every show. Thanks for being here, because if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. And uh, share it with your friends. If this hit home with you and you said, he's talking about my dad, he's talking about my sister, share this episode with them, because I think that Carlos's words uh, will run deep for a lot of people. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Carlos Hidalgo. However, before then, I'm going to challenge you. Go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.